Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Listening to Underground USA. Welcome back to Underground USA. Be sure to look at everything we do over there at undergroundusa.com. We've got a newsletter we want you to sign up for so we can have direct access to you in case social media gurus uh, like the Zuck and uh, and the guy who oddly looks like Bin Laden these days um, decide to censor us. So sign up for the newsletter so we have direct contact to you. I'm talking with Lauren Morris, who's an independent investigative journalist. Uh, she's credentialed in audio forensics. She's got a background in music, so we kind of we kind of clicked when we were chatting back and forth. Um, uh, even though she went to Berkeley and I went to North Texas, you know, there's a little little bit of a jazz rivalry there, but I'm not going to hold it against her. Uh, she is um, she focuses on Marxism and Islamofascism and and the movements themselves and and how they're dangerous to Western civilization, and especially the United States. You can read all of her reporting, and it's very good. I, I highly recommend you to go over there and take a look, because you will get a flavor of what's happening, especially in the streets of Austin, Texas. Um, log on to her stuff at laurenkamelmorris.com. I said that right, right, Lauren? Yes, you did. You nailed it. Okay, good. You've got a piece up at your website right now called It's Easy Being Communist in Austin in 2021. And it kind of chronicles what happened on May Day. Uh, you know, everybody wants to call it the Labor Day, but, you know, th this has roots way back to the communist movement. We just decided to sign on to it to have another day off, I think. I don't know. <laughs> um, um, but it, Austin has changed. Last time I was in Austin, and I'm going way back and dating myself here, but it's when I was when I was doing music down in in Dallas back in the early 80s. And Austin was just starting to be a musical mecca. It was an artist paradise. Wow. Um, what, where has it come from that point in time? Well, I got here in 2006. I am a California insurgent <laughs> and I came out here because, um, you know, I had finished really what I wanted to do musically in California and, and, uh, went on a new journey. And I, when I got out here in 2006, I noticed one of the first things was that the local musicians uh, world-class musicians were complaining about South by Southwest and, and the various, you know, uh, states of how the music industry has changed in Austin over the years. And just since um, 2006, I've seen it rapidly, rapidly decline. And I think that you could see that quite predominantly in South by Southwest because it went from being a music conference to being a music and film conference, which was great. Then they added a tech component, and then it just became a full-blown socialist 
Islamo-fascist, woke political political stage, and and to the point where even the Berkeley School of Music didn't have a, a showcase, I think, in 2018, <laughs> and they started squeezing out um, musics and, and you know musicians and uh, and bands. And the and in 2019, they only had about 200 uh, country music bands lined up to play, and the rest of it it just went into an educational, you know, woke socialist um, indoctrination festival. So this is they've really co-opted what used to be purely for the arts, and and made it into the the socio-political movement that is just metastasizing like a cancer in our urban areas. Oh, totally. Yeah. And it was, you know, 2018 was was really something because we had Sadiq Khan, the uh, Pakistani mayor of London, come Mm -hmm. during the time when we were having a a bomb scare here in Austin. We had a serial bomber on the loose. (laughs) And, and, you know, uh, Sadiq Khan is not somebody I'm a, a fan of. You know, he he came to Austin and said that London is open for business. And, uh, you know, terror is just uh, part and parcel of living in a big city. And so I had several back and forth conversations um, with the founder of the, the South by uh, Southwest, Lewis Black, who is a self-proclaimed and described Luciferian because I went oh, after. Wow. Yeah. Well, and I went after C- Sadiq Khan on Twitter pretty hard and um, tried to, you know, run him off the stage and. And said that I didn't want, you know, jihad coming into uh, South by Southwest. And so we had several uh, back and forth conversations. And then uh, Sri Lanka happened and 200 people got blown up and, and killed in a jihad attack in, in Sri Lanka. So Lewis Black lost his argument to little old me. Hey, it only it only takes a, a voice with the truth to make the difference. Um, you know, as an aside, because I I want I really do want to focus on the Marxist evolution that's been happening in the United States and especially in in conservative places. At least Austin used to be a fairly conservative place back in the back in the seventies and the eighties. Um, when we talk about Islamofascism, you're absolutely right. You know, you give you give an Islamofascist an inch. And and they will take the countryside, and and to open it up, you know, yeah, let's let's just, you know, you have the the mayor of London coming in here saying London's open for business, except for those no go zones over there. <laughs> you know, so yeah, I I wholeheartedly agree about that, and I I thought that we were doing a pretty good job of pushing back against that in the United States, but it, it's been my experience that uh, Islamofascism and uh, and Marxism, especially woke Marxism, kind of work hand in hand in their totalitarianism. So I, you know, there's an open door. I, I'm waiting for the next massive attack to happen in the United States because I fear it's just around the corner. Um, when we get back to the Marxist facilitation, and I, it facilitates a lot of things, including Islamofascist terrorism in the United States. Um, I'm looking at some of the pictures that you have in your article and it's to me, and I'm, I was born and raised in Chicago, even though I live in the panhandle now, this is kind of stunning. Right. Well, the red, the red, the red and yellow and the hammer and sickle are very, you know, vibrant and, you know, they, they do come out and make a big show of it 
on May Day with a lot of flags. So it is quite colorful. And there's there's a lot of them. I mean, typically there's there's every year between 80 and 100 of them that come. And, and, I, and I know that they come from outside of town as well. Okay, so you named it, you named some groups here uh, a couple times that that take part in this, and and that was going to be my next question. Are these groups all indigenous to Austin, Texas, or do they come from around the region, or is it a national thing? The named groups are from Austin, Texas, like the Mike Ramos Brigade, and uh, I'm not sure who else I mentioned in the article, but but yeah, they're definitely um, the name the named groups in town. So, so you've got like four major communist groups in Austin, Texas. Right. Yeah, we have quite a, a – there's a lot of them. I mean, if you actually dig into their Facebook pages or their Twitter pages or their Instagram pages, there are thousands of people who glom on to this Maoist ideology. And and really, they, they, they have a base camp at, at – the University of Texas at Austin. You know, they are allowed to have their their groups, like the Liberation Coalition or the autonomous groups. They're allowed to uh, work and thrive and have, you know, uh, places to meet. And um, in my earlier article about uh, the Maoists uh, on uh, UT Austin, you can see that uh, there are professors and teachers who are definitely indoctrinators. And, you know, so they learn about this, uh, how to be a, a revolutionary in class all day long. And then they go out and, you know, play out their ground tactics on the street at night. And when you when you drive around Austin, really, the, the town is covered in Marxist and communist graffiti. It's wow. every It's everywhere. And after COVID, it um, you could really, really see a decline happen really quickly because, you know, we're used to Austin making a beautiful sound. And that sound was silenced and it was replaced by Marxist revolutionaries who are very good at what they do, by the way. I mean, these are not just people screwing around. I mean, they know exactly what they're doing marching around the streets by the hundreds on distorted blowhorns chanting all cops are bastards and worse yeah we're talking to lauren morris she's an independent investigative reporter of austin texas um you can find all of her writing over at lauren Kamel. Morris.com. That's uh, Lauren, typical spelling, C-O-M-E-L-E, Morris, typical spelling.com. Um, I'm looking at the at the groups, and you've got uh, the Mike Ramos Brigade, the Red Guards, Austin, the Chinese Communist Party Loyalists, Antifa, Democratic Socialists, and UT students uh, with several organizations on there. That's, that's a, a heck of a, a cadre of people, and that leads me to my next question. I, I understand, you know, it's... It, it's I won't say common knowledge, but for people who are um, on to this this subject, uh, UT Austin is identified as a liberal university that's got its indoctrination problems like anybody else. Um, is this type of thought with the advent of critical race theory, is this trickling down into the high schools and the grade schools in Austin? They're trying it, but I can tell you that the parents are awake and they are fighting back and 
of course, in true Marxist fashion, fashion with the dialectic, they have been several steps a, ahead of us, and they they grab a hold of things very quickly. They grabbed a hold of the uh, Austin ISD high school very quickly, and they they really utilize the um, LGBTQ uh, narrative to get in there and teach the kids and then and then from then it goes on to a transgender movement and then from then it goes on into uh what we're going to teach your kids and it it got so bad in austin it was it was really um overt and in and and profane in terms of uh the um things that were being uh, written and taught to kids in school. And so, uh, and then we had the drag queen story time. So you're getting flanked from all these different sides. And then plus you've got the Marxist media who's all about it and they're pushing it. The Chronicle is for it. The Statesman is for it. Everybody's, you know, pushing the whole thing. Well, after about a year and during the shutdown, parents have had it, had enough they don't want their kids being taught this stuff. When when we talk about Austin, Texas, and this is the this is for people who don't know, this is the capital of the state of Texas, which is recognized as a pretty conservative state. You know, you've got a you've got a governor in Abbott there who is uh, who is one of the one of the people who's doing a good job in defending his state from an encroaching federal government and and one that's really pushing a very far left agenda as it is. How how can the capital city of of the state of Texas or or if going back to my college days, if I didn't say the great state of Texas, I got admonished. Um, how how does the capital of the great state of Texas fall to Marxism all around a building where some of the most conservative legislation is in, in the country is being produced? Because it's the power of Marxism and, and, and how it works. I mean, you have to understand this has really been in our system since the 1930s. And they uh, achieve ground in incremental steps. And they come in with a process of empathy and bully tactics at the same time. So... For example, uh, you know, Black Lives Matter and their their victimiz- victimization and the oppressed ends up being the oppressor with the transgender issues. You have people that come in and say, well, we have a high suicide rate and we just want to live our authentic selves. So therefore, you have to let gender clinics conduct double mastectomies on 13-year-olds, and you have to allow endocrinologists to prescribe puberty blockers to, to children as young as age two. And they, and they just, they have an agenda. They know how to do it. It's a very well-oiled machine, and, it, and, they, and it's a ground dominance machine, and it's a narrative machine, and they capture... They capture ground and they have totally captured our news media. They've captured our churches. They've captured our educational systems. And we are just now waking up to this going, wow, what is going on? And we're, we're covered in it. We're totally covered in it. Yeah, it's death by a thousand cuts in, by, by any other measure. Um, when we talk about the the incremental 
progress. And, and I, I hate to use the word progress because what they're doing is actually devolving us into a in the into an, an oligarchic structure. But right. They, this this incremental progress that they've had, this trickling, um, in Austin's part of uh, the western part of the Bible Belt. How's that going over with people who tend to be religious? They are fighting. Um, they're fighting, and they're learning how to be more organized. You know, the left is always is is also really really organized, super organized. And those of us on the right or in the Christian community. They're more liberty-minded and more individualistic in things, and so it's been harder for them to get together. But I can tell you with, um, like today, House Bill 1399 about the transgender issue, trying to stop the puberty blockers and the surgery being being done on, on minors, there's a lot of anger on, on the right side. And um, the reason being is because the legislature, the legislators, they don't really know how to fight Marxism. They don't recognize it. They don't really understand it. They don't understand its language. And so they end up conceding. Well, we'll give you give you your abortion heartbeat bill, but we're not going to touch this um, transgender clinic thing right now because there's 400 of them, 400 of them across the country. So they're trying to negotiate and just trying to, you know, make things go away and make things be okay. And what they don't realize is that there's more coming after that's over with. Oh, yeah. You can't you can't crack open the door for for Marxist or Islamofascists because they will force the door open for all time. Right. Uh, you know, and this is where I see that convergence between between Marxism and and I used to say between progressivism and Islamofascism, but I just have to call it plain as day. They're not progressives. They're Marxists. They've been Marxists ever since the turn of the, of the 20th century, uh, trying, to get, trying to get into our society to destroy capitalism, to co-opt what we've got here. Um, with COVID, when it, when it hit, I, I saw COVID as a dramatic opportunity for for marxists to take advantage of a situation that people thought was chaotic as they retreated uh, do you see it the same way and how did covid uh allow the marxist movement in austin to springboard well first of all the city just reflected it you, the homeless um came out and and took over the the downtown 6th Street area, the music was silenced, the streets were replaced with nightly um, marchers in all kinds of different causes, the storefronts were boarded up, um, now you have Black Lives Matter uh, painted all over the place, and they actually um, took over one of the venues downtown, it's now a Black Lives Matter uh, meeting place. And it just became quiet and 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 dirty, and it just reflected the death of the downtown area. It was it was quite quite visual. And then of course they capitalized on it or took took advantage of it. And the uh, mayor of Austin um, stopped the camping ban. So now you have mountains of trash and six toxic fires every day. We have a serious homeless problem here. And 
it just all started reflecting everything that Karl Marx ever wanted, which is filth and decay and ruin. And of course, all the small businesses died out. I mean, you know, we are the live music capital of the world, right? Or that's what we've been called. And so, Mm -hmm. you know, we employ a large number of 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 people in the bars and in the restaurants and small, uh, you know, so after a while it was one business after another just crashed and burned and, and you had uh, Maria's taco joint across the street from the Saxon pub. And, and there's this huge statue of her in a vehicle and somebody went up there and put a mask on it. And then she couldn't last any longer. And so they, they took her down and but but there is also what's going on in the boardroom because you have the Austin Justice Coalition who became the voice for Black Austin um, pushing through these resolutions. And, and one of the things that they did, if you look at my article on when equity rules the music city, well, they decided that they were going to come in and get their hands into the live music fund, which was just a general live music fund. And they wanted to split it in half and make half of it a, a white music uh, fund. And the other half of it, this is no joke. I mean, this is not, this is real life. And the other half of it, a black only music fund. So what happened was, there's only 8% of all the musicians in Austin who are black. You've got over 50% of the musicians in Austin who are white. You've got about 27% of the musicians in Austin who are Hispanic. And you've got 8% who are black and one polka player. (laughs) One polka player. (laughs) And so when COVID came around, if you, so here's long story short. They decided to make it a biracial persons of color, B-I-P-O-C. So if you wanted COVID money, if you were a venue on your last breath and you wanted COVID money, you had to sit through three days of undoing racism classes with the Equity Commission in Austin. They also established a white supremacy oversight committee to make sure, you know, you could send some Karens in to the Saxon pub to make sure that there wasn't any white supremacy happening. And then they tried to, you know, have an event, skip forward, and they tried to have an event in 2021. And these, you know, white supremacy oversight committee, you know, demanded that well, you can have your first live music event in downtown Austin as long as 51% of the of the performers are uh, persons of color and less than 50% is white. Well, that is not going to happen because it doesn't reflect the demographic. Yeah, it doesn't it doesn't doesn't reflect the population in the United States and on the whole either. <laughs> you know, yeah. it, it, this is this is the ridiculousness about about fifty fifty and having to identify by by racial or or even gender demographic. It shouldn't matter. And when it comes to music, that used to be the language that transcended everything. You can't music- make it equity. You can't you can't rule things by equity. That demographics don't match it. 
We are talking to Lauren Morris. She's an independent investigative reporter outside of Austin, Texas, who's very familiar with the Marxist takeover of that city. And that's really a it's it's a legitimate way to explain what's happening. Uh, you can read all of her stuff over at laurencomelmorris.com. That's L-A-U-R-E-N-C-O-M-E-L-E. M-O-R-R-I-S dot com. Um, Lauren, when we're, and, and I, I just want to go back to this because I don't think it can be overstated, if, especially for people who don't have a musical background. Music, whether it's classical, jazz, rock, pop, fusion, rap, whatever, um, maybe less rap, but that's just a personal personal thing for me. Um, <laughs> it, it usually transcends cultures because it's a it's of a creative process it's it's like physical art um you know it's it's something that actually brought people of different demographics together because people found commonality in in the things that they liked and it wasn't divided up by color i'm looking at this this white this one I, I couldn't believe the white supremacy action committee right. that oversees the live music fund and and they're segregating music i mean this this reeks of george wallace saying segregation now segregation tomorrow segregation forever and and they call him like the the king racist of the jim crow era self so how how are they doing anything different than the most cost of caustic divisive racist of of all time in in the democrat south when there were things like lynchings and true suppression of votes how are they doing anything different what are they how is what they're doing going to make everything not racist anymore Right. Well, and and here's the thing. We have a mayor and a city council who is willing to just write checks to, quote, Black Austin, you know, because of these bully tactics. You, you just wonder. It's like a ping pong game. It just goes back and forth, but it is going to do nothing but make the music community really angry. And I would think if I was the owner of the Saxon Pub and they came after me to change my name because it's a Viking name or, you know, there's too much (laughs) toxic masculinity going on. (laughs) I mean, it's to horror. I mean, are they going to... um, you know, start going after the bands and saying, oh, you've got to have a transgender person on the bass and we've got to uh, approve your lyrics. You bet. I mean, it's coming. I mean, because the absurd is is how they rule you. And, and, and this is the thing. What I have found when I post photographs or I talk about May Day or and I talk about um, the Red Guards, I mean, I really don't mock mock them and I don't I don't make fun of them. I'm fascinated by them and I study them. A lot of these people are they they pay taxes, they have jobs and they have they have children. But what I do see like on Facebook with people throwing rocks is they want to quickly dismiss these people, Frank, as um, you know, well they're idiots or morons. They're not they know exactly what they're doing and they're they're making a lot of ground and austin reflects exactly what they're doing and they've cost the police department and the city a lot of money 
and they have successfully defunded the police and they've made a lot of ground in this town so they're not to be dismissed they are to be dealt with when when you're looking at and i'm going to use austin as like a microcosm of of how this movement is advancing on the whole of the united states when you see what's happening in the streets of Austin at the hands of the Marxists, and I truly believe that CRT is a tool being used by the Marxists for in a transformative fashion, where what do you see their end game as? Well, the end game will just be socialism. It really will be. Um, you know, I'm not sure that we're going to achieve complete communism in Austin. I mean, in uh, in the United States, but they, but they will achieve, you know, a form of, of uh, socialism, especially in Biden, you know, in the Biden presidency. I mean, they are a full court press right now. You, you, you're seeing some things happening in in the Capitol there, and you, you said, you know, that they don't really know, understand how to combat this. Is there anything in the works that you see as promising? We we are we are winning some battles because there are people who actually have you know live in the real world and they understand critical thinking and they understand logic and so we are winning some we are winning some battles yes I mean I'm seeing a lot less of the interfaith community right now and I'm seeing a lot less of um, some of the narratives because they are. Um, receiving such backlash, uh, they they tend to die. They tend to die away. So it's not lost. And I think about a year ago, a lot of the, you know, quote militias and dudes with guns, for lack of a better term, were just waiting for the, you know, what to hit the fan, mm. and they were going to come out and take care of it with their weapons. And and I don't see that that's going to happen. I mean, if, look at the UK. The UK is always where you want to look at to see what 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 could happen. You can look at Germany, London, and you can look at Sweden where they banned the burqa, you know, after they had a, a, a ration of violence. And so I have a lot of hope and I am very um, optimistic about the American people who who are coming out and you know, really fighting this and combat this. We need all hands on deck and we would get a lot further, a lot faster. And we need for people to work together, not be king of the mountain, but actually work together because we are fighting the red green axis. We're fighting Erdogan. We're fighting um, the and, and the communists who've been here for a very long time. I woke up this morning thinking, that's who the deep state is. It's the Communist Party. And we now have a president who, you know, can barely put a sentence together and, and China's just stomping <laughs> all over us. Russia's laughing at us. I mean, it's it's really, really embarrassing. But the American people are what they should be afraid of. And I think that what we see is damn right they're afraid of us and they should be. Yeah, there's a when when I talk with my co-host Andy, who sends his regards, um, we always try to remind people that 
all politics is local. We may, we may be obsessed with the the news cycle that always talks about Joe Biden and Kamala Harris and right. what they're doing in Congress. But if you are active in your area and you are making a difference in your town or your county or, or to a larger extent your state and making sure that things are running acceptably in, in your location, that trickles up. And, and this is one of the, the big hopes that I have in states like Florida, states like Texas, um, South Dakota, um, Missouri, Tennessee, where you're starting to see people at a state level saying, hold on here. We're going to have to revisit the idea of nullification for some of this stuff because you, the federal government is starting to mandate things that are well beyond the Bill of Rights. We, we, can't, we can't have that. Um, I, I'm hoping that we see a pendulum switch more to that line of thinking on the local level to where people get involved. This is one of those times where we can't just complain about it, post something on social media right. and say we've done our part that, you know, got to get involved in the local school boards. Got to get on in, in your village board, in your town board, in your city councils. You, you've got to get involved to make sure that we don't lose that grip. Because as you you pointed this out, and it's you couldn't be more spot on than you are. These people think incrementally, and they're willing to move slow. But once they gather the ground, they never cede it. Right, and you have to target people too. I mean, you can't just be, you know, a cheerleader. And, and this is where they've had us. You know, we've been cheerleaders with the Trump movement, dancing around outside of the boxing ring. And how freaking convenient was COVID mm-hmm. when all of a sudden everybody went to Zoom meetings and you couldn't access your local city council or your local school or anything like that, even though they and the uh, teachers unions were busy 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 bees behind it behind the scene reinventing how they thought the new world was going to be when we came out of covid and yeah, that, have, that yeah, was something have, that was something that was very disturbing was finding out that at almost every turn if you were looking at an urban area that tended to lean blue that they were having productive conversations outside of the public zoom meetings right Right. And Austin is not with as liberal as Austin is. Nobody wants to be kept down. We want our concerts. We want our lake time. We want to be out and about. And that's what we saw this last May Day, which was really funny. It, it was it was hilarious because you have all these people out. It was a beautiful day until the rain showed up. And, <laughs> and then all of a sudden these people are out in these sidewalk corner patios having a drink as soon as they could have one in the morning enjoying the sun and just looking at one another and and being happy to see people and then here come the you know a hundred communists with their flags charging around downtown yeah that's a that's that is a that is a a different definition for a bloody mary you know, oh, this is this is something that I I see as endemic in in the American communist movement. They're doing a great job of extinguishing joy, 
I mean, you 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 just gave the scenario of people finally being able to get outside and some semblance of normalcy. They, normalcy. They have a an opportunity to breathe for just a weekend, if it were, and they're, and they're enjoying a beautiful day. And jumping into the middle of that joy is someone saying you're doing it wrong and you should be doing it this way. And I'm taking issue with the way that you talk look, speak, the color of your skin, uh, the way you go about economics, they can't give you a second to breathe. And I think that's going to end up working against them in the long run. Like you said, the, the people, you can only push them so far before something's going to snap. And, and I hope that it snaps towards intellectual pushback and not something that turns physical, because if it turns physical... This is going to be a bad time in American history. Well, and therein lies the work, because we all need to have conversations with younger people, because evidently they're being seriously indoctrinated in school and or otherwise not taught things. And, you know, we need to engage with the young people in our in our lives. We certainly have to at least convey stories of how this all ends up and how it's been repeated through the past. You know, you talk to some of these kids and getting out of high school, going into college, and I believe the last poll from Rasmussen was like 36% believe socialism isn't that bad. We should give it a try. You know, they don't understand that tens of millions getting onto the hundreds of millions between Stalin and Mao were executed. No, they don't understand that. And, and and it's just like one of the things that they do around here is we have, you know, our fair share of police shootings where you have white cops shooting, you know, persons of color. And, of course, you know, the local groups all just jump on that and they start having their marches and their, their rallies and everything. And there's a definite disconnect. There is is, you know, the person, the deceased person of color who was shot by the cops was engaging in not one, but several unlawful actions. He might have had a gun. He pointed it at the police. But all you hear about is that the cop shot, uh, murdered, actually, because, you know, we see those Uh, posters all over town, laminated posters all over town, murdered this person of color. And, you know, they're scrutinizing the police, but they completely leave out altogether any law-breaking activity of the now-deceased young man. I believe the FBI statistics, and, and I was, I've been writing on that over at undergroundusa.com, uh, the statistics prove that over 90% of, of, of black fatalities happen at the hand of black people, and in 100% of the police shootings, um, there are either drugs or a weapon involved. Totally. So, I mean, they, they, they do, and, and I wrote a big report on the Fusion Center who's, you know, trying to, you know, pound that square peg into a round hole to find something that, you know, white supremacy is the most dangerous, dangerous threat we face. Well, it might be if you make the white people mad enough and you push them in a corner, but the statistics will never back it up to date. Never. Yeah. It's when you, the, the whole white on black systemic racism argument and in law enforcement is, is pure 
unadulterated fiction. It doesn't exist. And then there are a plethora of reports. And really all somebody has to do is take the time to go through the FBI statistics site. There's no proof. There's just nothing there to back up that argument whatsoever. But once again, this this race issue is the cause du jour, and Marxists are pumping gasoline onto that fire to make sure that we stay divided. And and I've I've said this time and time again on, on just about every every show I do. They keep you divided to A, control you, and B, cobble together demographics to get 51% of the vote to stay in power. It works. Race race works, and, and Mao understood that, and that's what he used. I mean, Maoism is, is essentially Stalinism with a racial component and, you know, added into it, and it, and, and it really works, and I think people need to understand that. And what... One of the things that is a a tagline is that the issue is not the issue. The issue is the revolution, which is what we are in. It's happening in in our lifetime. And I think, you know, you just look around and we can talk about the issues and and we should. But we we definitely are in in a revolution and we are behind enemy lines fighting for the heart and soul of our country. And and it is a a heck of a, a heck of a fight ahead of us. And if people don't believe that that they need to have skin in this game, um, they're going to be looking at the United States and the history books, and that's about it. Uh, Lauren, I want to thank you for coming on, and I'd I'd like to be able to circle back with you when uh, when issues of uh, of Marxism and Islamofascism come to bear. Um, everybody should go over to Lauren's website and read what she's written. It's, it's very well thought out. It's documented. It's, uh, you'll see pictures that will, that will wake you up to something that's happening in the capital of one of the reddest States in in the United States, Texas, uh, go to Lauren Comel Morris.com. That's L A U R E N C O M E L E Morris.com. Lauren, um, parting words. If, if you if you had to say something to get people's attention in 30 seconds, what would it be? Get engaged and and engage. It, it's the time of your life and you don't want to miss it. Lauren, thanks for coming on and we will talk to you again in the future. That's that's for sure. Thank you so much for having me. It was fun. I really appreciate you guys. Thank you. You're listening to Underground USA. My name is Frank Salvato. I'll be right back after this with my partner, Andy Limbaugh, to talk about more really disturbing stuff that's happening right in your neighborhood. Aren't you happy? That's fantastic. We'll be right back after this. Don't go anywhere. Did you know... That Yopon is the only tea plant indigenous to the United States? Hi, I'm CJ, the owner of Emerald Coast Tea Company. We have a line of Yopon teas and Yopon tea blends that will open your eyes to tea that is literally made in the USA. Check out our entire line of teas at www.emeraldcoastteacompany.com. Honey, this ain't your mama's tea. Lucky.
Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.